You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We continue to hear God's Word this afternoon in the Old and New Testaments. First from Exodus chapter 23, the verses 14 through 19. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the Feast of Harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the Feast of Ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the Sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Our text this afternoon comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, his, that is Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does the Holy Spirit wish to teach us in this beautiful little story about the temple visit of Joseph, Mary, and their 12-year-old boy, Jesus? It is notable and enlightening, even delightful in many ways and on many levels. 
Did you know that the Bible tells us nothing about the growing up years, boyhood years of Jesus in any significant detail, except what we're told here in our text? That's one thing that makes this text notable. We have a short but delightful glimpse into Jesus' growing up years. It's comforting to be reminded, isn't it? That Jesus journeyed through those years just like every human being does. It's comforting for you, isn't it? Boys and girls, teenagers. Isn't it comforting to know that your Savior is aware of what it is like to be a child? Jesus knows what it is like to be a teenager. Isn't it also comforting to all of us as Christian parents as we raise our dear children? We may point them to Jesus as the perfect example of obedience. We may direct our children to Him. We're also given some insight into the life, piety, and faith commitment of Joseph and Mary. Another delightful thing about this passage. We're told right at the beginning of our text in verse 41 that every year Joseph and Mary went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. We read in Exodus 23 that God required all the men to go up three times a year for the three great feasts. But here in our text... We're told that Mary came along too. Even though she wasn't required to by the law. And our text indicates in verse 43 that this family stayed for the whole feast. The full number of days, as our text says. After the, after the feast was over, while his parents were growing up. They they stayed the full number of days for the feast. Less devout people, less devout Jews, would only come for the beginning of the feast. And then they would make their way home. After they had done what was required of them by the law, then they would say, okay, let's go home now. But not Joseph and Mary and Jesus. They stayed for the whole feast. Now, these details tell us something about the religious piety of Joseph and Mary, and also about the intimate ties that held Joseph and Mary, their marriage, their family, together. And that is worthy both of our praise and of our imitation as married couples and as families. There's another noteworthy detail, too. Going to Jerusalem in those days was dangerous. It hadn't been too many years before that there had been a huge massacre in which some 3,000 Jews were killed during a Passover feast, just like the one that Joseph and Mary were now attending. 
that was still a fresh memory for all the Jews, Joseph and Mary included. And then there were also the dangers and the perils to life and limb when traveling long distances on foot. They couldn't just jump into their vehicles the way we do. They had to walk. And they had to take dangerous passes. And there were many dangers on the way to Jerusalem. But Joseph and Mary were not going to be ruled by fear. This doesn't mean that Joseph and Mary were incautious or careless. But their caution in the face of terror and danger was grounded in their unwavering obedience before the face of God. And that is instructive for us, isn't it? Congregation. We too live in an unsafe world where so much terror and danger is. So much so that sometimes we choose just not to think about it too much. In fact, it's always been like that since the fall into sin. The world is a dangerous place. The world is full of perils all around us. Terrors, dangers, death. And that's the case for us too. But the thing is that we too, just like Joseph and Mary, are called to place ourselves and our loved ones under the direction and under the provision of our Almighty God and Father. In health and sickness. In times of peril as much as in times of peace. When we feel safe, as well as when we feel afraid. Even in the shadow of death and other terrifying dreams and experiences, God has our lives and the lives of our little ones, our children, in His hands. Just one more intriguing detail that's worthy of reflection in a society in which we face so much individual isolation, even with all the social networking that has become so prevalent, or possibly we face this isolation even because of social networking. We have this sort of artificial connection with others. Notice, on the first day of their journey, Joseph and Mary just assumed that Jesus was somewhere in their company. They assumed that He was traveling along with them somewhere. You see, during the annual festival pilgrimages to and from Jerusalem, the families would travel in large convoys. They would travel in large groups walking together. And they would watch out for each other. And they would watch out for each other's children. Joseph and Mary's failure to notice that Jesus was not in the convoy was not necessarily an indication of irresponsible or negligent parenthood. 
was more likely an indication of the strong community bond that Joseph and Mary enjoyed with their brothers and sisters who made that long journey with them. Now that is the kind of community that we need to be as church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be watching out not only for ourselves, our own families, for our own little ones and teenagers and loved ones, but also for the children of our brothers and sisters, for each other's families, for each other's loved ones. Some churches have the practice, when babies are baptized, of requiring not only the parents, but also the entire congregation to declare that they will together take responsibility for those children that are born within the church. Something very beautiful about that and appropriate. How are we watching out for each other? As brothers and sisters, as families, as each other's members. Well, all the things that we have already mentioned are certainly profitable and instructive for us. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us still deeper into the heart and mind of God, making these details that that we might otherwise dismiss as ordinary and pedestrian that much more notable and instructive and comforting. The Holy Spirit does that through His servant Luke by telling us some other very significant details in this story about Joseph, Mary, and 12-year-old boy Jesus' temple visit. And notice that these details center around the temple in Jerusalem where they were visiting. That's something you will notice when you read the Gospel of Luke. And when you read the Gospel of Luke attentively, then you will notice that you're often spending time in the temple in Jerusalem. Luke often brings us into the temple in his Gospel. The Gospel of Luke begins in the temple with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it also ends in the temple. That's where the disciples end up after the ascension. They end up in the temple praising God. Luke 24. And the same can be said of this section of the Gospel of Luke known as the infancy narrative from chapter 1 to chapter, to the beginning of, of chapter 3, chapters 1 and 2, called the infancy narrative. This section 2 begins in the temple with the announcement of the coming birth of Jesus' forerunner John, and it also ends in the temple here in our text with Jesus' boyhood visit to the temple. And here in our text, we're given some Important facts about what Jesus was up to while he was visiting the temple with his parents. 
One of the most obvious things that Jesus was busy doing during His stay at the temple was He was learning. He was learning. Yes, Jesus too had to learn. Remember what we're told in Hebrews? We're told in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience from the things which He suffered. In that sense, in that sense too, Jesus was fully human. Jesus was fully human and learning is a part of being human. That's hard for us to understand because because we, we also know that Jesus was fully God. And in His divine nature, Jesus already knew everything. Yet, in His human nature, Jesus still had to learn. That is difficult for us to understand, isn't it? But there are some things in Scripture that we simply don't understand. Especially about God. That we simply have to believe and leave up to Him. So, Jesus was there in the temple and He was there learning. Jesus was being a good student. And notice how Jesus, the perfect student, went about His learning. We're told in verse 46 that Jesus sat among the teachers, listened to them, and asked them questions. Now there is your perfect student. Spare that in mind those of us who are students. There's your perfect student, one who listens carefully to his teachers and asks lots of questions. In that order, first listening and then asking. Something for you to remember, children, teenagers, as students. Something important for all of you who are students to remember, listen and then ask. Even in His questions, Jesus displayed deep wisdom, for we're told in verse 47 that everyone who heard was amazed at His understanding. So what does that mean for you, children? Well, that means for, the, for you that you don't need to be afraid to ask questions, to inquire, to want to know and learn more, especially about God and His Word. That is the mark of childhood wisdom. To ask questions. As long as you are also listening like Jesus did. Listen and ask questions. And let's remember as parents, as teachers, not to put off 
our children's, our students' questions. Even the tough ones. Sometimes we're inclined to do that. We don't have time to answer those difficult questions. So we say to our kids, well, it's just the way it is. Just take my word for it. Just believe me. But we have to listen to our children's questions. Also the tough ones. And help them find God's answers. What else was Jesus up to at the temple? Well, the reader might conclude that Jesus was also up to some boyish mischief. That Jesus was doing what any 12-year-old lad might do to get his parents going. Staying behind at the temple without telling his dad and mom. Typical 12-year-old boy. But brothers and sisters, the Spirit doesn't allow us to interpret Jesus' actions that way, for the Spirit also tells us that Jesus was blameless and perfect in every way. In fact, we're told right before our text in verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And we're told the same at the end of our text in verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus was obedient. Jesus was the perfect child. He was also the perfect 12-year-old boy. So there must be a different explanation for why Jesus did this. And there is. So what was Jesus up to if it wasn't boyish 12-year-old mischief? Well, Jesus was making very clear to Mary and Joseph, and the Holy Spirit is making clear to us, that Jesus' stay at the temple in Jerusalem was a stay at His Father's house. Jesus was making clear that He was not a visitor in any way when He came to the temple in Jerusalem. Even though his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, were on their way back to their place, to their house in Nazareth, Jesus was staying at the temple. Not in boyish mischief, but in childlike obedience. The temple was where the boy Jesus belonged. That was his father's house. This house of God, the temple in Jerusalem, was His heavenly Father's house. And that is the point that Luke is making here in our text. Jesus was first and foremost God's only begotten Son. God's boy. And only secondarily, Joseph and Mary's boy. We could even say it this way. If Jesus was a visitor anywhere, it was in Nazareth, at Joseph and Mary's place. 
The temple of the Lord was Jesus' home address. So it's clear. Jesus wasn't the one who needed straightening out. Joseph and Mary did. In this case, it wasn't the 12-year-old boy who needed straightening out. It was his parents who needed it. That's why Jesus is not out of line. That's why Jesus was not being defiant when He answered His mother the way He did and said in verse 49, Why were you looking for Me? Why were you searching for Me? Didn't you know I had to be in My Father's house? Jesus wasn't being rebellious or defiant when He said that. What does this mean for you, children? Well, it means that you can't use this text, this action of Jesus, as an excuse for being out of line with your parents or for being unruly, for being disobedient, for doing what you like to do instead of what your parents tell you to do. You may not use this text for that. Teenagers, this text is not your ticket to rebellion and defiance toward your parents. In the first place, teenagers, you are not Jesus. Jesus is perfect and you are not. Children, And in the second place, Jesus' answer was an indication of the very deepest seriousness He had toward His God and Father. So what does this mean for children, for teenagers? Well, it means this. Only when your parents tell you to do something that God forbids or when your parents keep you from doing something that you ought to do, that God tells you to do, only then are you permitted to challenge your parents with the same boldness as the boy Jesus here. As we alluded earlier, Luke presents Jesus here as the model of perfect obedience to his parents. And yes, that means that there's a word for us as parents, too. As parents, we are never allowed to use our parental authority to place our own wishes and desires for our children above God's. If we're honest with ourselves as Christian parents, also as Christian parents, Don't we so easily do that? If we aren't vigilant in the Spirit? Don't we so easily as Christian parents make demands of our kids as if they have God's imprimatur, God's stamp, when they're actually only our own ill-conceived desires and selfish wishes? when we ask or expect of our children to do things that God would never even ask or expect of them. 
like the godly mother Mary, we do well as Christian parents to consider these things in our hearts. We do well to receive the gentle rebuke of our Savior to every parent in the Father's house. Yes, Joseph and Mary's boy belonged in his father's house. He belonged in the temple. But why, we might ask? Especially if you think about what the temple was like back then. Hadn't the temple become very corrupt? Wasn't Jesus better off learning his Bible lessons from his godly parents, Joseph and Mary, or some other godly teachers, rather than the corrupt priests, scribes, and Pharisees at the temple? Wasn't the temple in Jerusalem at that time, wasn't the temple so corrupt, in fact, that, that as a man, Jesus would make a whip of cords, driving everyone from the temple area, both sheep and cattle, scattering the coins of the money changers and overturning their tables? Did Jesus really want the temple as His home address? The answer to that question is yes, He did. The temple was Jesus' home address, and it had to be. In fact, the corruption in the temple was the very reason that that Jesus needed to stay there. Jesus had some serious cleaning up to do there in His Father's house. His Father's house, the temple, needed to be cleaned up very badly. And Jesus was the only one who was qualified for the task. Yes, already when he's 12, already when he's just a 12-year-old boy, Jesus feels right at home in his father's house, the temple, because when he grows up, he's going to be everything the Jerusalem temple stood for. Let's consider that. Everything that God had placed in the temple had its true meaning and fulfillment only in Jesus. Everything from the altars to the curtains, from the court of the Gentiles to the Holy of Holies, everything from the table of showbread to the laver, from the slaughtered lambs to the sprinkled blood in the temple, None of all these things made any sense without Him. And that's why Jesus felt at home there. That's why it was only natural for Him to want to stay there in the temple. You know what would later happen? At a future Passover feast, Jesus would bring the ultimate sacrifice of His body. At a future Passover feast, just like the one He was now attending with His parents as a 12-year-old boy, the temple sacrifice to end all 
temple sacrifices would be offered. And it would be Jesus Himself. On the cross. This Jesus would bleed as the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. For our sins too. As we remember during this time of Lent and Easter. And it is this, Jesus' atoning work, that really makes this story of Jesus' boyhood with all its intriguing, intriguing details sparkle to our delight. That's what makes this story really incredibly beautiful. Gospel. It's this one, this one boy. Boy Jesus becomes Savior who alone can give sense and delight to our lives in every detail as He calls us into His Father's house and prepares an eternal place for us too there. A place to stay forever with Him. He, the once boy child Jesus, holds out hope for sinful children. Yes, the once boy child Jesus holds out hope for mischievous boys and disobedient girls, for rebellious teenagers, and for wayward adults, which covers all of us. And that's why we all need to seek Him, this Jesus, with all our hearts in faith. He, who had to rebuke His own earthly parents and remind them that God's desires are foremost, also reorients every Christian father and mother toward the Father of all. He teaches us as parents, fathers and mothers, the right priority. He alone, this Jesus alone is the source of faith and piety. He alone is the one who can hold marriages and families and churches together, making them havens of intimacy and safety, security and delight. This Jesus alone can bring us safely to our heavenly destination. And He alone can drive away the loneliness and isolation that we experience in our society and in this fallen world. This Jesus alone can drive away the terrors that surround us and the fears of sickness and death that plague us and the bad dreams and worries that hound us. This Jesus alone can make every ordinary detail of our lives eternally significant. 
We're told in our text that after three days, verse 46, after three days, Joseph and Mary found Jesus. After three days. Joseph and Mary thought they had lost him. So they hunted for him until they found him. Joseph and Mary did not find Jesus until they came to the right place. The place where they should have expected Jesus to stay. In the temple. Where He explains to them that it was necessary for Him to be. He said he explained to them that He had to be in His Father's house. You know, brothers and sisters, it's no coincidence that at the end of this Gospel, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 24, two other people thought they had lost Jesus. Disciples on the Emmaus Road. Just like Joseph and Mary had thought, they thought they had lost Him. But they found Him again after three days. And Jesus explained to them in similar language as He had with His parents that it was necessary for Him. He had to suffer and then enter His glory. Brothers and sisters, adults, teenagers, children, Do you sometimes suddenly notice that you've lost Jesus? Do you ever sense that for some reason He isn't in your company anymore? Even when you had assumed that He was? Then look for Him as Joseph and Mary and later the disciples did. Look for Him the way the Beloved in the Song of Songs looked for her lover when she thought that she had lost Him until she found Him. Make sure you look for Him in the right place though. In His church, the house of His Father. Make sure you seek Him in His temple, the church, where He speaks to you in the preaching where He gives Himself to you in the sacraments, washing and feeding you. Where you will be sure to find Him listening for your requests and your questions. And where He may even ask you some questions. Are you looking for Him? Where do you expect to find Him? Do you know that He wants you to join Him to stay in His Father's house forever? Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.